Well, let's dive in. So uh, we're week two. Last week we began uh, a brand new teaching series. We're basing it on the book of James. And uh, if you weren't here or you were unable to listen last Sunday, and if you're one of the 65% of people who always or sometimes listens to the podcast, you can uh, catch up on it. And uh, for the person who's, uh, we're trying, the person, the volume levels is a bit low on the podcast. We're seeking to raise, the, it's sorted. So you can walk and talk, uh, you can walk and listen to the podcast, whoever that was. We're listening to you. We're listening to the people. And uh, for the four of you who had written a desire to hear a more biblical content within the teaching, uh, this is for you. We are... Uh, we are engaging on a series of expository teaching, which means read the text and talk about it, and that's what we've been doing. And for the three of you who'd requested donuts back, they were there last week. And I hadn't even read the survey at that point. That was prophetic. So uh, they're fresh from Sainsbury's. We've ordered another 20 today. So we have 120 donuts of all varieties, so hopefully we're, that's that. James is an incredibly practical book, as uh, we learned last week and we'll see today and over the next number of weeks, uh, speaks plain and simple, which is really, really good. It's really clear, and as we journey uh, today and the next few weeks, there's so much of it that we can take, that we can hear, but then we can put into practice. And that really is, it comes to uh, the verse 22 in the first chapter, which kind of summarizes the theme of the whole book. It says this, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. James is a man who speaks about, uses words that describe action and what we are meant to do. That's why we loved hearing uh, the story just as Emma shared this morning. Words entrusted, uh, dreams given to her, but actually put some wheels on it, actually moving towards action. want to uh, pick up where we left last week. I ran out of time last week, so want to just uh, end with the end of chapter 1 and then take the first passage of chapter 2 this morning. But let's finish off where we started last week. We're in James uh, chapter 1 towards the end. And uh, here writes, My dearest brothers and sisters, Take this to heart. Be quick to listen, but slow to speak. Be slow to become angry. For human anger is never a legitimate tool to promote God's righteous purpose. So this is why we abandon everything morally impure and all forms of wicked conduct. Instead, with a sensitive spirit, we absorb God's word, which has been implanted within our nature for the word of life has power to continually deliver us. Don't just listen to the word of truth and not respond to it. For that is the essence of self-deception. So always let his word become like poetry within. Uh, poetry written and fulfilled by your life. If you listen to the word and don't live out the message you hear. You become like the person who looks in the mirror of the word to discover the reflection of his face in the beginning. You perceive how God sees you in the mirror of the word, but then you go out and forget your divine origin. 
But those who set their gaze deeply into the perfecting law of liberty are fascinated by and respond to the truth they hear and are strengthened by it. They experience God's blessing in all they do. If someone believes that they have a relationship with God but fails to guard his words, then his heart is drifting away and his religion is shallow and empty. True spirituality that is pure in the eyes of our Father God is to make a difference in the lives of the orphans, the widows, in their troubles, and to refuse to be corrupted by the world's values. He begins this section uh, by addressing uh, the matters of the tongue and of anger. He says, be quick to listen, but slow to speak. And be slow to become angry. I wonder how many of you remember uh, the teaching series we did on the book of Proverbs. And we talked about our words and the the power in which they have and what they contain. And very often um, our words get us into trouble. We sin through the things that we say. And one of the uh, advice was to, uh, if you want to sin less, is speak less. And how often we use our words spoken and written sometimes actually uh, on social media as we explain those things, but actually we sin without actually realizing it. James is urging his listeners then and his listeners now to be quick to listen, but slow to speak. How often, I know I do and I know others of you do, we rush in out of our our own anger and frustration and we say things that later we regret and we have to clean up after ourselves. One of the things uh, I shared last week was a number of us who go into local school here uh, and do some mentoring and often we come face to face with some pupils who they just keep getting into bother and one of the reasons they keep getting into bother is they can't keep their mouth shut. If they would just button it and not respond and not cheek back to the teacher or respond to wee Johnny over there who said something to him. If they just ignore it, life would be so much simpler. And uh, one of the things I I kind of encourage them to think about and to practice is not to respond immediately, but to take a deep breath. It's easier said than done, right? (laughs) Take a deep breath count to five and let it pass and then if you still feel like you need to speak then speak but otherwise just be quick to listen and not to speak do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves do what it says that's why I love teaching in a thematic kind of way it's like what does the book say and as we begin to unpack what God says through his word and we actually action it, we find life. We find life in him and we find life by being obedient to his word. Everything for life is in the book. And the reality is if we begin to entrust and obey what God says, life goes well. But the reality is we have a tendency, don't we, of picking and choosing what we want to hear and what we don't want to hear. So if we hear something, we're like, oh, that's just too hard. I'm going to do my own thing anyway. 
And, and James is encouraging his listeners, hear the words, hear the words of truth that will set you free and practice them. Put them into practice. He ends with, um, he concludes chapter one as a lead-in actually into chapter two, which is what I want to spend most of our time this morning looking at. By saying this, true spirituality that is pure in the eyes of our Father God is to make a difference in the lives of the orphans and widows in their troubles and to refuse to be corrupted by the world's values. Remember, words can be cheap, but actions speak louder than words. So we're going to mix it up. We're going from the Passion Translation to the Message Translation for this next bit. We're going to read uh, chapter 2 and the first 13 verses together, and then just a few points from it. My dear friends, don't let public opinion influence how you live out our glorious Christ-orientated faith. If a man enters your church wearing an expensive suit and a street person wearing rags comes in right after him and you say to the man in the suit, sit here, sir, this is the best seat in the house and either ignore the street person or say, better sit at the back row over there with the riffraff. Haven't you segregated God's children and proved that you are judges who can't be trusted? Listen, dear friends, isn't it clear by now that God operates quite differently? He chooses the world's down and outs as the kingdom's first citizens with full rights and privileges. This kingdom is promised to anyone who loves God. And here you are abusing these same citizens. Isn't it the high and mighty who exploit you, who use the courts to rob you blind? Aren't they the ones who scorn the name Christian used in your baptisms? You do well when you complete the royal rule of the scriptures. Love others as you love yourself. But if you play up to these so-called important people, you go against the rule and stand convicted by it. You can't pick and choose in these things, specializing in keeping one or two things in God's law and ignoring others. The same God who said don't commit adultery also said don't murder. If you don't commit adultery but go ahead and murder, do you think your non-adultery will cancel out your murder? No, you're a murderer, period. Talk and act like a person expecting to be judged by the rule that sets us free. For if you refuse to act kindly, you can hardly expect to be treated kindly. Kind mercy wins over harsh judgment every time. James begins this next chapter off the back of concluding the, the first chapter. It says, don't let public opinion, don't let the words or the, the world's beliefs and structures and opinions and thoughts influence how you live out your Christ-orientated faith. Bam! No messing about. Don't be influenced by the world and what the world says and what the world dictates. And James then begins to use this brilliant example of wealth and poverty as what the world treats or thinks about wealth and riches and what the world speaks about poverty and the poor uses it absolutely brilliant and he uses this example and we can use it here today. If a fine, uh, rich looking man walks in wearing a suit 
don't give them the best seat in the house. Like being honest with you, if someone walked into church wearing an expensive suit into our church, we'd probably make them sit at the back. (laughs) But in this story that he uses, it's like the distinction between the two. We cannot treat people uh, in that regard unfairly. In fact, let me tell you just a brief story. Uh, Janet, where's my friend Janet? She's going to do this. Oh, she's done this. I can't actually. Oh, she's there. She's there. She's kind of doing this. So Janet, I overhear. I, Janet's part of our Thursday morning life group with the women uh, down in the venue. And I just happen to sometimes breeze in and out of the room. Usually I need the toilet or to make myself a cup of tea and kind of, kind of interrupt their group. But I walked in one Thursday morning a few weeks ago to this raucous laughter. I thought, oh my goodness, what have I done now, or whatever, and they'd just been talking about me, isn't that right? You were there, and um, apparently Janet Harrison had decided to share this story with the group about how she had come to church uh, in a taxi, and she was sharing with a taxi driver and talking about the church, and, and she'd said, oh yeah, I'm going to Carrick Fergus Vineyard, and, and the taxi driver was like, oh wow, and that, I've heard about that church, and you know, and, and, and it was speaking positively. Is that correct? Yeah. Speaking, which is always good to hear. And, um, and was obviously asking more about the church. And Janet began to say, you know, it's kind of the church where you come to and you don't have to, you know, dress up for it. You don't have to look all, you know, your fine Sunday best. In fact, you want to see our pastor. <laughs> He's the scruffiest looking of everyone. True? In, in a kind, she, she said it's true, but she said it in a kind way. That makes it okay. We're seeking to build a community of people that it doesn't matter your socio-economic background. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter your age, your gender, where you've come from, where you live, any of that stuff. You could be sitting beside someone right here, right now, this morning, who's of a completely different background. And we are united in one thing, and the only thing that matters is him. It's his kingdom. Goodness, at the end of the day, when we go to heaven, we're not going to have the prods over one side and the Catholics over another side. It's not going to happen. We're not going to have the Methodists here and the Church of Ireland there and the this, that, the others. That's not what it's about. What was I doing? It doesn't matter. (laughs) We need to treat one another fairly and rightly. Another thing uh, that we do um, is regarding parking. A number of us who come early and set up and all the rest kind of go in the tradesman's entrance, which is kind of over here, which is actually quite convenient because it's closer to the door, and I get that. And, uh, but I, I haven't been doing it recently, but I thought, seeing as I'm going to use it as a sermon illustration, I better do it today, so I have. And uh, so, so I deliberately park over here. Why? To free up as many spaces over here with our guests in mind. So hopefully if you're our guest this morning, I hope that you got parked quite close to the front door, which is opposite to the golf club. 
don't tell your mum and dad. <laughs> you go to the golf club, and it's not just the golf club. It's other places that have the placards, you know, president, captain, honorary secretary, and all those other things, and they're the closest to the front door. And it, it just can't, it, it can't be like that. It has to be with our guest in mind. You'll probably pick up already that I'm being slightly biased, actually, and I deliberately am. I'm being slightly biased for the sake of others, for the preferring of others. Why? Because it's what we're going to come to. It's about loving others the way that we love ourselves. It's about treating others and preferring and putting others before ourselves. Here's a question. I'm going to give you a moment to think about it. Does God treat us all the same? Don't answer it. Just think about it. Does God treat us all the same? That's a great question. I kind of feel like yes and no. Yes, we're made in his image. We're dearly loved. We're adopted into his family. We're heirs and co-heirs in Christ. But no, there is a special place in the heart of God for the treatment of the poor, the widow, the orphan, the marginalized, the destitute, the last, the least, and the lost. That's why I love it in vineyard churches our arm of compassion ministries is such an important part of our churches. And it's such an important part of being a kingdom-minded people that we would love and serve and give of ourselves. Listen to what James says. Isn't it clear by now that God operates quite differently? He chose the world's down and outs as the kingdom's first citizens with full rights and privileges. And Jesus says, Blessed are you who are poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. He says, But when you give a banquet, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind. Elsewhere, he says, Sell all your possessions and give to the poor. And I love it. I love it in our church community. The way in which we give of ourselves financially, we give of ourselves through our time, we give of ourselves and what God has entrusted to us to honor people in our community. And I'm so proud in a non-prideful kind of way in the number of ways in which we do that. Faith is spelled R-I-S-K. Faith is exercised through our deeds, through what we do, not just what we say. And we're going to look at that next week as we look at faith and deeds. But we exercise our faith through the things in which we do. But it's important that we hear this next thing. That we make it super clear that we don't just do nice things to people in need. That we do things that are nice with people who are in need. What do I mean? A couple of examples. A number of us before Christmas, we went and visited Belfast City Vineyard Church. And we went to visit uh, one of their compassion ministry uh, drop-in things that they do. I think it was, uh, I can't remember what day it was. And uh, they were operating something very similar to what we do every Friday when uh, Malcolm and Mullane uh, lead rest. And they basically had an open space uh, at their offices in the very center, city center of Belfast, and they had 
refreshments and drinks and tea and toast and bacon and tea and coffee and all the rest. And uh, we walked in. There was uh, about 12 of us, I think. And uh, we went just to visit just a number of things that they do there. And we walked in. And uh, the kind of the tea and the coffee was over one direction, and there was food over somewhere else, and there were sofas, much like what we do with rest. And it was difficult for me to distinguish between who were the team doing this and who were the guests, the punters off the street who had come in need to just have a chat and have a drink and what have you. It was difficult for me to see the difference between the two. And what I loved was there was nobody actually serving the people who were coming in. It was a free-for-all. So you didn't know, actually, kind of who was in charge, a kind of an us-and-them sort of thing. One of the things we loved about last year was on Christmas Day, we had Christmas dinner uh, at Oni's Pub, as many of you know that. We had 41 guests come, which was wonderful. And I think there was a team of maybe about 12 of us who came. And I found it, I'll be honest with you, a little bit of a struggle to kind of not create this kind of feeling as an us and them type thing of, oh, we're here as the team to just kind of serve you and you're there just because you're there and you need a plate of food and somewhere safe and all that sort of thing. And we work really hard, a number of us, in terms of trying to just draw alongside that there wasn't this us and them kind of thing. But it's just that we're together. We're in relationship with you. And we want to share our lives with you, not just our resources with you. James says, you do well when you complete the royal rule of the scriptures. Love others as you love yourself. And he uses uh, this a great example of wealth to display prejudice and discrimination against in that society all those years ago and the very words all those years ago are still applicable to us today we must not play up to these so-called important people you go against the rule and stand convicted by it we God's people are called to love one another as we love ourselves he concludes this writing says talk and act like a person expected to be judged by the rule that sets us free for if you refuse to act kindly you can hardly expect to be treated kindly kind mercy wins over harsh judgment every time i love it i love reading this some parts of the bible are difficult to understand but this part of the bible is pretty simple it says it plain and simple. We don't need a, a degree in theology. Some Bible commentaries would be really helpful. Understanding it in the original Greek would probably go further. But this is plain and simple for all of us to read and all of us to understand, but not just to read and understand, but to apply. Talk and act like a person who love other people in the same way they love themselves. If you refuse to be kind, then don't expect to be treated kindly. Kindness wins and trumps judgment. We're about to land, and then we're going to worship and pray. Ask the person on the street what they think of Christians. 
I wonder what they're going to say. There'll be a whole mixed bag of, uh, of comments, depending on lots of different things. But sadly, there will be some whose response to that question will be judgmental hypocrites. Some people, that is what some people think of those that believe and follow Jesus. Where did we go wrong? What happened? I wonder if it lies in the way in which we see ourselves. Perhaps we don't love others like ourselves because we have failed to understand how God sees us. Chantelle and I had a conversation with someone in our community during the week. And we were talking about this very verse. We're called to love us as we love ourselves. But we need to love ourselves the way God loves us first. And if we don't see ourselves the way God sees us, then we're not going to be able to love in that right godly way. God's kindness is intended to lead you to repentance. He is a merciful and kind, loving Father. And once we live under that truth and that posture, it changes us from the inside out. Oh, that we would be known as a kind people, rich in mercy, that we would not treat people unfairly, that we would love the poor, that we would show kindness through our whole lives and through our actions.